Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Kaz once again here for Say Less. Thank you so much for subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get podcasts. I appreciate each and every download, every single subscription, every single comment, every single rating, every single person that reaches out to my DMs, asking ways they can help, asking ways they can contribute. It's our show. It's our show, man. I may be the host of it, but I listen to each and every one of you guys. I talk to each and every one of you guys. And like I said from the first episode on, we're going to build this thing brick by Mother Effin' Brick. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to all the episodes last week. Shout out to my guy Loki from You Heard That New and Beats One Radio um, and Revolt TV now. Shout out to my guy Derek Augustine. You can catch him on The Godfather of Harlem and the voice of Che on NBA 2K20. My guy, the legend Baron Davis. Uh, you know, you catch him from uh, Baron Davis Enterprises, uh, No Label, uh, LA Undefeated, um, I mean, Unified, just all around incredible entrepreneur and basketball legend. And one time for my guy, Leo Rush, obviously, uh, we recorded that episode right before the massive, massive cuts that happened to the WWE and, uh, you know, thoughts and Prayers go out to him and his family. Uh, I know he's, he's way too talented to never, uh, you know, wind up back on his feet. He's an absolutely incredible, talented guy, and that's my dude, and I got him for life. So shout out to my boy Leo Rush, and uh, show him some love if you, uh, you know, listen to this and get a chance to uh, check this out. But uh, I'm pretty certain and positive uh, we're both going to be working a lot together in the future. That's my dude. Um, but today's gonna be a fun episode because, you know, obviously there's no sports going on, but, uh, man, we actually had some real tangible sports news of the basketball variety that may, uh, cause a huge domino effect in sports. And that obviously is number one ranked high school player Jalen Green telling college to suck it and going straight. To the pros, he is taking on Adam Silver and Sharif Abdurrahim's offer of over $500,000 for one year to go and play in the G League's new program for elite youths that will get them ready for the NBA. So basically, he's a professional now, signed with an agent, Aaron Goodwin, and uh, now he's got all the endorsements and all the freedom to do whatever a professional wants from here on in. And that's a kid that I've seen play many times over this past year through the Peach Jam and the Slam Summer Classic, and that kid is an absolute stud. Uh, Like I said back then, and I'm going to say it now, reminds me a whole lot of Kobe Bryant. If he gets a little taller... He's about 6'6 six, six right now. If he gets a 6'7, six, 6'8, six, puts on some weight. It's, and mind you, it's not like he's not strong already. He's an absolute problem. And uh, also, this, anyway, basically, this episode is a goodie because um, we got two extremely uh, well versed people to talk to about this monumental decision and what this means for the NBA, the G League, the NCAA. And uh, youth hoops everywhere. Uh, one of the guests is my guy Jordan Schultz. Um, he is the co-host of the Pull Up Podcast with uh, CJ McCollum. You can get that anywhere you stream podcasts. He's also a contributor for ESPN and an insider. And he is a correspondent for ESPN Plus's and Kevin Durant's show, The Boardroom, on there. So you can check him out there. And also, I got my guy... He's the head of content creation over at uh, Slam, uh, the legendary Slam magazine. 
Uh, Adam Figman, a guy who I've worked with for a long time with the Kaz and Vic show. What up, Vic? My girl, count on Vic. And uh, Adam's been a guy who has had his eye on every single promising youth basketball player in the entire world. So he knows a whole lot about Jalen Green, know a whole lot about Isaiah Todd. But we talk about a lot of hoops, a lot of hoopers in this episode. We talk about LaMelo Ball, R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Amani Bates, Mikey Williams. Anybody who's anybody who isn't in the NBA yet gets talked about on this episode. So this is a great one. Uh, if you're into youth hoops, grassroots, or uh, just the future of basketball and the NBA and the NCAA in general, this is a good one for you. And it was really refreshing to be able to not talk about the virus for a long time and just talk about some goddamn sports. So without further ado, like we always do at this time, producer of the number one podcast in the world. Shout out to Talking Shop with the good brothers, Rocky Romero, Carl Anderson, Gallows. <laughs> Emilio, hit the motherfucking music. Today's going to be a fun episode. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of sports going on on the courts and the fields, but... There is some sports going on, like, right now in life and some news. And uh, one of those big news-making announcements was Jalen Green announcing that he will forego college to go to the G League with the NBA's new provision to try and keep the top prep talents in the world right here in uh, in America. And joining me today is a good friend of mine, uh, worked together in the past, one of the most hardworking dudes, creative dudes, great writer, great editor, great content creator. He's the chief officer of content over at the legendary Slam Magazine. Make some noise, people. Woo! Audience of one. Make some noise my man, Adam Figman. Adam, how you doing, brother? What's up, my man? How are you? I'm doing all right. First off, before we do any of these uh, interviews or questions, I got to ask you, how are you holding up with the whole countrywide shutdown and quarantines right now? Because I know shit is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm hanging in there. Um, honestly, I'm just for- I feel fortunate that I have my health, have my job, have, uh, you know, my apartment uh Probably would be better with some space. <laughs> yard, maybe like a big backyard would be dope. But um, I'm I'm holding up. All right, things are good. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, when we're doing these things and we're living the lives that we live, obviously creating content isn't probably the first thing on our mind. But I mean, you as a chief content creator over at Slam, the thing never stops. I think almost the, the desire for content is, is growing now. So how have you been holding up uh, otherwise when it comes to a shutdown? It's been good. I mean, there's been, you know, for us, it was interesting because basically what you saw was all the NBA players, college players, high school players are now in their homes. And so they're hitting us and they're like, yo, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Like things that um, are usually low lift. We've tried our best to make them kind of creative, but you know, a lot of FaceTime interview type stuff, Zooms. Um, we're rolling out the Slam Show, hosted by uh, this kid L Bugs, who's hilarious. That comes out every Monday. So we had some. Fortunately, we had some stuff in the chamber that we were ready to roll out. Um, doing some cool stuff on Twitch with video games and Call of Duty and all that with a bunch of the players. So we're we're staying active. I mean, we still got a lot going on. 
Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of those live stream uh, Call of Duties. Yeah, guys like Ben Simmons on there, uh, Bronny James, Donovan Mitchell. How mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, Devin Booker was on one of them. Those NBA players get extremely competitive when it comes to Call of Duty, man. They get after it, and they're good. I mean, some, Devin Booker, he's been MVP twice now, t- uh, two weeks in a row. Right, and, and he won MVP in the 2K tournament on ESPN MVP as well. In the 2K tournament, it's it's – you don't just get good at those video games either. You need to put in hours and hours. So Devin's been putting in the work, and I guess it shows. I mean, the fact that he won our Call of Duty tournament and the NBA's 2K tournament uh, in the same night, actually. It was like 7 wow. o'clock and then 9 o'clock or vice versa, 5 o'clock and then 7 o'clock, whatever it was, uh, is pretty insane. Like, it shows that he was he was ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, the guys are staying active somehow. Hell yeah, man. So obviously, man, it's been a, it's been really weird, especially, you know, with, with everything going on and mm-hmm. NBA shutting down and everything, you know, take me back to the day that the Oklahoma City Thunder and Utah Jazz were playing and, you know, basically a, a basketball magazine and a basketball franchise has no basketball to cover. What was the, what was the, the, the atmosphere like in that office? When's when so, going down? It was um, – I'm trying to remember the timeline because I don't remember when the basketball got shut down in relation to when we closed up the office. But I remember that night, what's now sadly like going to go down as the Rudy Gobert night. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's no way anyone ends up calling it anything other than the Rudy Gobert night. Uh, <laughs> Poor I was, guy. I was right here – on my couch, just watching things unfold. And I remember the news. It's one of those things where you see the news and you're like, all right, this is obviously a big deal. People are going to care. Like this is, this isn't like fly by night news. This is very serious news, but you're, you process it. And we were going from thing to thing to thing so fast that all of the little things didn't really get the attention that they deserved. Right. It was the same day that Trump was going crazy, doing some dumb shit and uh tom hanks tested positive and i remember thinking like we gotta like slow this thing down and there was conversations that we had had as a company that morning that were totally irrelevant by that night yeah i had to start over the next day so that was i mean it's been wild to watch unfold it's just it's you know now it's obviously moving a lot slower and it's almost why we kind of needed the jalen green news just to like have something to talk about and think about and discuss but um, now it's like every little piece of news becomes huge news just because we're craving for news. But oh my god! I'm watching first take earlier the day, earlier this week, and we're they're having a, like three segments on a house party for Dak Prescott's dog. Dude. They're like, how could he be so foolish and having a party? There was like four people there. <laughs> it's like out there, man. We're, we're, we're starving. It let us know yeah. just. Truly, how how insignificant most of this stuff is, man. Like, no, for us. It, for it, it puts so many things in perspective when it comes to covering sports, especially basketball. As much as we love the game, it's it's been a wild, wild couple of weeks. Um, and it got wilder this week. And 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 Adam's joining me on the show, by the way. And I think I must have hit public on the on the. Stream by accident. I usually do these things unlisted and, and post on Monday. So I'm not going to promote this. So anybody who's watching this, you're welcome. You're getting a free preview of the show that's going to come out on Monday. <laughs> but I usually record this after. And my guy Jordan Schultz from uh, the boardroom and ESPN is going to join us in a few minutes. 
Um, but we got to get to the big news, man. Uh, Jalen Green, a guy who I've watched for a long time. You watched for a long time. Um, I, I got to see him for the first time last year at the Peace Jam, playing yeah. for Russell Westbrook's team. Why not? And uh, he was also a, a Slam All American. Yeah. Um, played in the uh, the Slam Summer Classic this past summer. Mm-hmm. This guy's been all over the news this week. For people who are watching this, mm-hmm. who is Jalen Green, Adam? So Jalen Green is uh, he's six four, six five ish. Um, you know, can play point guard or shooting guard. Crazy athletic. Um, can jump out of the gym. Can shoot. Can hit the open man. Super competitive kid. Good kid. Works his ass off. Um, so yeah, I mean, just based on the skill set alone, he was considered to be top two or three, depending on you know your personal outlook on basketball. Uh, heading into you know class of twenty twenty, uh, was looking at Memphis, was looking at Auburn, uh, was previously looking at I think Fresno State, which would be his local university, and then probably a couple of other schools, um, and was looking at going to Australia, following the Lamella Ball RJ Hampton path of going overseas for a year and then coming back and going to the NBA. He decided he was going to join this select team kind of thing uh, that Sharif Abdurrahim and Rod Strickland put together for Adam Silver, which is essentially going to take a a team that will play G League teams and then also some international teams um, and basically give them a version of the G League experience to get the younger guys ready for the pros. I think I got that right. That's how you got it right. And and while you got it right, we finally got our our third – co-host for today Uh, you catch him as a correspondent on espn plus's uh the boardroom he's also a co-host of the polar podcast with cj mccullum and he's coming to us live from i think what looks like his kitchen (laughs) my god great to uh great to be on you're gonna have to give me 20 seconds here as i uh Listen, every all is forgiven in the, in the quarantine world, you know. Yeah, like, yeah no, this is like uh, I got two, the TV's on, so you guys have that. This is like my, you know, afternoon. My wife and I switch off, yeah, um, responsibilities, and uh, I feel like as the week goes on, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they get worse. Oh gosh! Well, so, well, uh, well, but hey, listen, thank you for having me on. It's it's a it's a pleasure. Of course, Jordan, man. And, and obviously, um, you, you're joining just at the right time because we're just talking about uh, creating content in, in the world of post-corona. And right when you got in, we started getting into the big Jalen Green news about yeah. Jalen Green for going college, going straight into this new uh, NBA G League sort of situation that's meant to keep uh, some of the top prep players in the United States, not going to the AB, uh, not going to Australia, going overseas, uh, not spending one year in college that may not be uh, viable for them. Uh, and Jalen Green, who a guy is a guy that been on, has been on all of our radars for the past couple of months. I just talked to Adam about him. Jordan, uh, for people who may not be familiar, who exactly is Jalen Green? Jalen Green, if he was in this draft class at 17 years old, would have contended for the number one pick he might have been a top three guy that's how good he is he has all the skills you'd want size athleticism power he can shoot it Uh, if you watch any prolific prep games this year they're obviously playing elite competition and he makes really good players 
look like average players or below average guys. J- Jalen Green has all the tools. I've been tracking him for three years, and you you could make the argument that he would have been the number one pick this year. He certainly would have been in that conversation. But I think the bigger picture here is like, what is this signal now for the NCA and maybe the pressure that it applies to the NCA? Because you know, we, this this option has been on the table, but when you make it five hundred thousand dollars for a guy like Jalen Green, who's also going to attract endorsement deals, sponsorships, um, soft drinks, whatever you say, whatever you want. That, to me, signals like this could be a whole new era because you're talking about a lot more money on the table, and it's not going to be the path for everyone. But but Isaiah Todd, Jalen Green, these are really high-level blue-chip players, and I'm really interested to see now, fellas, what the NCAA will do in response to try to counter it. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's one thing I've I've really noticed. I mean, like I said before, we got on. Uh, I've watched Jalen. I haven't watched a whole lot of Jalen Green, but I got to call uh, the the Nike Peach Jam this past spring. Oh, he killed and that. He was yeah. by far like he was, he was by far the best player on the court, and he was somebody. When I was looking at him, I'm like, he he reminds me of Kobe. Like he has a whole lot of Kobe in his game, and he and it's not just like somebody. Well, okay, he can get to the next level and produce like. He's somebody that looks like, you know, if everything breaks even for him the way it's supposed to, he's one of those, like, signature shoe guys. He has a, a, an aesthetically pleasing-looking game. Like, he's not just, oh, a, yeah. oh, he's somebody who plays well. Like, no, this is a guy who can be a franchise changer, a guy who can sell tickets, sneakers, shoes, you know, and, and, and he's known his value for a long time. So, Adam, I'll flip the question to you. And uh, Jordan kind of spoke about it before. How do you think this decision affects the NCAA? Um, I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, they they need to figure a lot of stuff out now. One of the things that I'm definitely looking at is to see how quickly they are willing to let these guys make money off the court, uh, you know, monetize their own likeness with deals. I think that's kind of the Mm -hmm. easiest thing for them to do that. There's no reason why they haven't done that already. Um, But that might be the quickest turn thing because – you know, I think there's probably a lot more logistics behind them paying guys directly. It doesn't seem like there's any motivation for them to do that. I am curious. I do think that this whole thing is a, uh, I would call it like a transition between into the inevitable death of one and done where uh, high school kids are allowed to go straight in. And then if that's the case, you know, how does that affect college ball? Does it make it worse in terms of star power for sure? Does it make it maybe better in terms of like now you have more of the two, three, four year players uh, who fans of college basketball are actually following for, you know, you get a lot of complaints from college fans about uh, all the guys coming and going so fast that maybe if that kind of thing ends and college basketball will be a smaller world, but that core fan that loves college hoops that roots for their their alum or their local school is going to be more engaged because, you know, it's more to their liking. So I do think it could help in that small regard. Yeah, can I? I would, I would, um, I would jump in and say I totally agree. What's really interesting for me is like the idea of likeness and how the NCA will look at this as maybe an opportunity to finally get things right and allow players to profit off their likeness, whether it be in a video game, um, you know, a selling on their jersey, a shoe, or perhaps even getting guys a bigger stipend, like. You know, I've said this before, and I'll just use it as as an example. I didn't play, like, the highest level of college, but I started off at Seattle U, which is a scholarship school, and uh, is now in the WAC. 
And I saw firsthand by the end of semesters, guys not being able to eat. And it was appalling. And I, you remember what Kemba Walker said, or Shabazz, Shabazz Napier said during the tournament, like he couldn't afford to buy himself food. And that to me is like all you need to know about where the NCAA is and how it's treating its players. And I'm a massive proponent of paying players, or at least to Adam's point, allowing them to profit off likeness. Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like yesterday between sports media and former players and a lot of, you know, talking heads in, in the sports community, I don't think there was a lot of people feeling bad for the NCAA. I think there was a lot of people that were no. kind of saying, like, you know what, this has been a long time coming. There's been people like, you know, uh, you got your Brandon Jennings of the world, mm-hmm. your LaMelo Balls, your RJ Hamptons, your LeVar Balls, you know, so many people – that kind of like started seeing that change coming. And even this year in the NCAA tournament, what you know, the NCAA season, there was no tournament. There wasn't a whole lot of interest without those big top players like the Zion Williamson, like the LaMelo Balls of the world. You know, there was, I mean, Obi Toppin could probably walk into like any bar right now. And I'm not sure if anybody would really recognize him off the rip, but I know the type of, fanfare that Zion was getting when, you know, he, he went anywhere. I mean, they had Zion cams for every ESPN game following his every single move. So now with, with it seems like a lack of star power being uh, exploited by the NCAA. Do you think that this could possibly enhance the college game more or is it going to be a detriment as, as it goes forward? Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think in the, in the short term, it's I'll, probably, I'll let Adam uh, take that one. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's it's probably a detriment in the short term um, because, you know, there's gonna it's going to be really negative effects from just the lack of star power, right? What's the, what's the Wednesday night ESPN 8 o'clock game that's really, like, drawing big ratings? I, I don't know, and I don't see it. And I do think as a result, if you get rid of the 10 to 15, you know, maybe this doesn't happen with the select team now, but, you know, in a world in which there's no one and done, if you get rid of 10 to 20 stars across all of college basketball, that's going to result in a national ratings hit for sure. Um, but I kind of alluded to this before, and I am curious, like, if you're a Duke fan and all the kids coming in are planning on being there for two, three, four years, and now as a result, all of the, you know, the fans of these colleges, Duke, Kentucky, UNC, um, all the way down to the Michigan States and the Ohio States and these like, and Indiana, these classic college basketball programs that haven't really been able to compete if they don't get a star who's probably going to leave them in a year. And now they kind of switch over to this world in which they're developing programs and they're developing guys for two, three, four years. And these guys might not become huge NBA players. They might be the guys who are second round picks after a few years or just go straight overseas, but they're able to engage their core audience way more that could result in, in you know, in, in increased dollars and, you know, fans that care more buy more jerseys and they watch more. But that's not that's going to still hurt them nationally. I mean, that's, you know, you're the rating hits from that. You might not even recover from that if you're relying on the TV dollars. So um, we'll see. I mean, I think ultimately it's going to hurt the it's going to hurt the college basketball landscape for sure. It's just a matter of how. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it at its core, the NCAA is a niche sport. Like, most fans of it don't start paying attention until. Second, second half of conference play into the conference tournaments and, and March Madness. So if you start taking away, uh, you know, presumably 10, like Adam was saying, 15 guys that are going to go that, that route of Jalen Green or Isaiah Todd and want to get paid at a high school, if you start taking those guys off programs and out of the NCAA tournament, 
the interest is gonna is gonna dip to me. So talk to me. You just mentioned him, and he was a guy who kind of flew under the radar uh, this past week because he decommitted from Michigan, and right after Jalen Green announced he was going to the uh, to the G League for this new Southern California program, uh, Isaiah Todd is following suit. For people who may not be familiar with Isaiah Todd, Adam, talk to me about him. Talk to me about his game and how he kind of would mesh with a Jalen Green for what is assuming to be one season uh, on a G League team. It's funny. I said to someone who's, you know, really heavy in the high school basketball scene, I was like, I've been paying attention for the past uh, couple of years to Isaiah Todd. Why is he not the kid that everyone is saying should be, you know, top three or something? What, what am I missing here? What does mm-hmm. he not have? And I think the answer is he doesn't have a super strong perimeter game. I mean, super athletic. He has like power forward height. If he had either center height or he had the three pointer down, maybe he would be, you know, top four, top five kid. Now he's like a top 12, top 15 kid, top 10. Um, but he is legit uh, someone who, who's, you know, was obviously headed for a one and done situation in Michigan um, and will be a really good, like, you know, three, four next uh Jalen Green on that team. I'm, I'm really curious to see how else they, they fill out the roster, but he's legit. Yeah, both of those guys are what NBA scouts and executives covet in that they're super interchangeable on both sides of the floor. Jalen Green more um, because of his size and his power game and how skilled he is. But Isaiah Todd is a really good player, and uh, he, he'll, he will be a lottery pick in a year. There's mm-hmm. no doubt that he's got that type of ability. He's got size, length, can score, handle the ball. He doesn't shoot it like a Josh Christopher or like a Jalen Green, but he's more of the classic, you know, new age NBA 3-4 man, and there's a lot to like about his game. Yeah, rough week to be a Michigan fan. Oh, man. I mean, I'm thinking of Bobby Hurley versus Juwan Howard all over again. I'm just like, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's been rough for that dude. (laughs) Bobby's done a really good job there. I mean, they've quietly become one of the better, best programs in that league, even though the Pac-12 is down. But but, uh, he did have the advantage of having Caleb, Josh's older brother, there. That helps a lot. But hell of a job. I mean, Arizona State next year is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they got uh, they got Josh Christopher, uh, another guy who played with Jalen Green over the AAU circuit. Um, talk to me a little bit about Josh Christopher, man. He's a guy who kind of made some noise in the beginning of this week with his decision to go to Arizona State and saying it was a bad week for Michigan because I think that was on his short list as well, too. Um, he's a guy yeah. who I watched a lot this past summer. Has a lot of right, right-handed right James Harden in his game as far as build and, and the ability to score and get to the bucket. Uh, Jordan, kind of break down um, Josh Christopher's game yeah. for me. I, I've been, I got introduced to him about uh, maybe a year ago. So I knew who he was, but I hadn't really seen him play up until this past season. And you watch Josh Christopher and you see a classic NBA power combo guard that can get a shot and get to the rim anytime he wants has an advanced in between game a he's kind of got that like southern california nick young step back you mentioned harden who went to artesia another guy from that area i think josh christopher is an absolute star and he has not been ranked as high as some of these other really good players um he's been outside the top 10 for the most part and it's vexing because he's got all the tools and I've talked to plenty of NBA people who believe he'll be a top five, top 10 pick. 
because of his combination of size and skill and just he just he's a dog. I love Josh Christopher and he played really well at Peach Jam as well. Adam, tell us to me about Josh. I mean, we know uh, you're a guy at Slam who sees a lot of his game, but you also see a lot of his his, his extroverted personality, let's call it. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I mean, he's got all the tools on the court, but he has all the tools off the court also. Yeah. I mean, amazing social presence. Um, he's just fun to, to pay attention to, to follow on Twitter, to follow on Instagram. Uh, to watch his YouTube videos, like he's got the personality, got the sneaker obsession, got the fashion game down pat. Like he's the of that group, I would say. Him and Jalen were really the stars, and maybe even Josh more so than Jalen in terms of like knowing how to command the camera, own a room. Like Josh has the it factor that sneaker. Yes, they're going to be all. Yeah, yeah. Jalen's more like raw. Josh is more like. Um, He's just, he's more, to me, he's really savvy about how he's building up his brand. I mean, just go, just search Jacob and you'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll have this. It's like, I've seen his name before I even saw the player. He's got a lot of swag, a lot of game. Adam's right on and off the court. He's, he's real deal. Really good kid. uh, This past all-star weekend, I hosted a uh, a league fits panel for slam. And it was with uh, Ian Pierno, who who runs league fits, uh, Chris Brickley, God, Sham, God, you know, uh, uh, DJ, Clark Kent. And uh, we were talking about most stylish NBA players and people who could, who could, you know, who, uh, you know, how the entire NBA has turned into like this, 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 this runway and, and who's wearing what and fashion. And across the board, when they were talking about like, who's going to be that next guy to kind of like take the mantle Everyone said Josh Christopher, like without a doubt, like LeBron James, like copying his swag, and he's like a high school kid. No, it starts at the level. It does. If you own the scene at high school in high school right now, it uh, instead of the the high schoolers just emulating the NBA players, it's going it's going the other way. The NBA guys are emulating the top high school kids. Yeah, that's 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 the power of uh, social media and specifically Instagram and how everybody is on that playing field and everybody sees each other. And it's really cool to see how the Adams point, how the NBA guys and high school players, you know, they, there's a lot of like, if you're in LA, you're playing the Drew league and all those, all these guys are playing against one another, but you take it a step further with the runway and then guys in high school don't have the runway. So they're posting their, their fits and it's just really cool. How much do you want to bet that at least seven or eight of the top 10 high school players, players in the country right now know exactly what they're going to wear to their draft first night. NBA game. <laughs> or draft first, night, yeah. Their first uh, experience. Or a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. One thousand percent. I know like LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, those guys. I mean, like, yeah, sure. I, the wild thing is, I remember when I first saw LaMelo Ball on Instagram, and his Instagram name was just Mellow. Yeah. I'm thinking like, damn, Carmelo Anthony must have changed his Instagram name. It's like, nah, bro, like that's the mellow. <laughs> so mellow, uh, just, mellow is the mellow. Yeah. Yeah. As a quick segue, man, a few years ago, I mean, uh the JBA or the JBC was launched. I forgot what it's called now, but LeVar Ball took us took a crack at this a couple years ago. And if I mean on on the top level it failed, but it's starting to see the fruits of certain things that could have been used to benefit 
players and, and taking power back and getting paid and not necessarily being screwed over by the NCAA anymore uh, start to really take heed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this question to both of you guys and take it how you want it. Jordan, how much credit should LeVar Ball get for this? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I, the only the credit the credit I do give him is he's going to have two kids in the NBA, and that's no small feat. But um, and, and possibly three, possibly three. Uh, no, LeAngelo's no, no, no. in the OKC League. <laughs> G League. Jello, Jello's. No, but no. I mean, he's developed these guys, and and. You know, I think there's a misconception around both. It's being debunked more now, but like Lavar, I mean, uh, Lonzo and and Lamelo are are both like well liked, you know. And there's they're not as extravagant as their father, and um, it is it is nice to see that they're being recognized as players and people in a way now. Yeah, I would say the execution might not have been there. I don't know if you would give him credit for any of this happening. Uh, but I do think you can give him credit for kind of seeing the direction that it was moving and, and at least wanting to kind of get on the train early. Um, yeah, I mean, you could argue all day about how well it worked out or didn't work out, but he, he foresaw some of these things. He saw foresaw the trends and the way that the world was trending. I don't know about, you know, how it actually played yeah. out, how he played out into it. But you know, It's almost like even, yeah. you know, when you read – uh, and, and I guess this is definitely LeVar's fault. When you read any player, uh, 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 you know, any player descriptions or anything on, on, on LeVar Ball or LaMelo Ball, it's always like, is it worth it? Is it worth the hype? Is he, you know, I mean, is this not just another case of like LeVar talking his kid up? And every, every scout, every Jay Billis, every, you know, Chad Ford has said like, no, uh, LaMelo uh, La Ball is the real deal. So let's let's fast forward it to this year's NBA draft. Uh, you got James Wiseman. You got Cole Anthony. You got LaMelo Ball. Uh, you got R.J. Hampton. Out of those four guys, who do you think, and, and Slam, uh, Adam, I'll, I'll hit you with this one, uh, who do you think has the biggest shot to stand out in the NBA out of those four? Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Oh, my God. I don't forget Anthony Edwards. I'm tripping. Tell me about talk to me about Anthony Edwards. I think my answer is Anthony Edwards. See him this year in, in college ball, but talk to me about him. I mean, super athletic. You know, uh, I guess at his best would be a Russell Westbrook type. Um, you know, point guard who can score, who can fly, who can dunk hard, uh, plays hard. I think there's obviously questions around kind of certain parts of his game, specifically the three pointer, which we've heard about a million prospects. You know, past and present. Um, I just think, you know, when I watch him play, I think he's someone that's going to be a, a hell of an NBA player. Um, I like all those guys that you mentioned though. I think, I think James Wiseman's legit. Um, oh, and then LaMelo, I think LaMelo is going to be great. I, I'm curious. I mean, he, he's one who I think really need, I mean, it's true for all of them, but he really needs to wind up in the right place. Um, somewhere where they're going to let him kind of, you know, have the ball in his hands and also iron out some of the kinks for a year or two. But I think he's someone who can develop into a really dynamic, uh, you know, point guard, shooting guard, NBA scorer of, you know, of multiple types. So I'm, I'm excited to watch LaMelo play at the next level. 
I mean, as a guy who's, uh, you know, you guys pretty much sponsored his Australian team. You can't see any any LaMelo ball highlights without a big old slam slapped on his chest. So uh, tell me, you you have like a specific vantage point on his game. and He's probably going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft this year. Uh-huh. Talk to the people about LaMelo ball. Who's his, who does his game remind you of and the percentage that you think he's going to be successful at the next level? Um, who's his game remind me of? I don't know. Uh, taller Trey Young. Yeah, I mean he's like six, maybe still drop, maybe still growing. Can shoot from all over the place. Uh, you know, it's not really. I don't know if I would call him a high percentage shooter, but we'll see. Um, underrated passer, underrated playmaker. Um, I'm sure the scouts have some questions about his like defensive intensity that I think he'll answer pretty quickly, um, but he can definitely D up. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, just one of those guys who can control the flow of a game. Um, and if his shot is falling in and he's, you know, he's in an up-tempo offense, which he'll need to be. And I hope wherever he lands, they kind of tailor the offense around him, which if they're smart, they will. Um, uh, but, you know, super dynamic, you know, point guard, shooting guard, exciting player. Jordan, talk to me about Melo. Uh, well, it's interesting. The, the the night before the draft for Alonzo, I inter- I went up to LeVar Ball's room with the kids, and I interviewed uh, Le- LeVar. And he, he, he's he been saying for years that LaMelo is the best player. And we've seen it the last mm-hmm. couple of years that he's got that ability, LaMelo does, to really be special. I was talking to a to uh, to Earl Watson, who's who's a old really good friend of mine and and knows him really well, and I I, I asked him that who who does he remind you of? And he said nobody. He's he's just mellow, <laughs> and he said he thinks he's going to be the face of the league in the next three years. Now I, I don't know about that, but he's got he's got a great great feel for the game. And uh, but you you mentioned some really good players. Like I, I'm a big fan of of the point guards R.J. Hampton and Cole Anthony. I think both of those guys have tremendous ability. I mean, RJ Hampton, I did a, I did two Instagram things today and yesterday. RJ Hampton was yesterday and I made the comparison to Donovan Mitchell. He's got that combo guard length, athleticism, um, really good in a ball screen has become a better shooter. Um, great guard rebounder, nearly seven per game for 36 last year. And then Cole Anthony's just like this confident, explosive scoring guard that is going to really benefit from the NBA spaced out game. And I'd be really interested going back to Lonzo. To, how will he, you know, his shot selection, like it's even worse at times than, than, um, than, than Lonzo, I'm sorry, Lamelo's is. And he, 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 he was allowed that freedom last season. And if you go back and watch any of the games, you know, he's got the ball 90% of the game. It's all around him. And he shot in the low thirties from three, takes a lot of bad shots. But he's got the ability, if you can just translate all of that talent and skill and you can harness it to Adam's point about being in the right fit, then he could be a really special player. Now, uh, we spoke a lot about Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, all of these guys who were in high school last year or the year before that. And the funny thing is, as good as all these guys are, none of them won the Gatorade National Player of the Year as a sophomore. And Amani Bates, 15-year-old kid, done that. Not LeBron, not Michael Jordan, not Magic Johnson, nobody in the history of this award 
has ever won it before the senior year. Adam, Jordan, you both seen a lot of Imani Bates over the past year. Is Imani Bates worth the hype? I'll just yes. – oh, go ahead. Nah, do your thing. I, I, yes, I'll just say that he's – from what I understand, he is the closest – He we hear this, but he's the closest thing to LeBron that we've seen since. He's mm. got – you know, he's a Midwest kid, obviously, from outside Detroit. Um, he's already got this incredible frame that's going to grow, and he'll grow into it six eight. He can he explodes in the open floor. I mean, he just he he accelerates like a freight train. He doesn't have that power body yet, but as he harnesses his strength, this skill set and everything, all these intangibles are so unbelievably enticing. He has every part of his game. Uh, he handles the ball extremely well. He, he can make a play. He can guard probably four, four positions. Um, he plays hard. For a guy that has all this fanfare, he plays hard. There seems to be an urgency to him, right, that, that you expect with these great young players, and a lot of guys aren't there yet. For him to have it as a sophomore in high school is is almost is really, like you said, it's unprecedented. I, I, I think he's completely worth the hype, and I, I'm really excited to see how he does in that critical junior year um AAU circuit and then senior year, by the time he's 18, he, he's going to be, you know, just an, an absolute monster, which he already is. But he'll he'll just get keep getting better and better. Yeah, I think uh, I'd add to that the one thing that intrigues me with him is I've watched him play, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen times. I've never seen him smile. <laughs> he's amazing. Seriously. He's always got his game face oh. on, always. He doesn't smile. So in that regard, he reminds me more of Kobe – than LeBron or KD, to be honest with you. Like, he doesn't seem like he – I shouldn't say he doesn't seem like he enjoys the game because I'm sure he's he's loving it, but he's not like a happy, uh, you know, running around laughing, joking with his teammates kind of player. He's out there to, like, get the job done. When he dunks in the open floor, he screams. He's like, has an anger about him that I love because I think, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring the competitive level out yeah. continually, which means he's not going to – He's not just going to be satisfied with like, oh, I'm better than everyone. Let me just, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's totally obsessed with skill development. His dad, you know, they have this they have this program, Bates Fundamentals. He he's locked in, and there was there was a good piece in SI a few months back about him. For everybody that would like to learn more, that goes through his daily regimen and how focused it is, and how disciplined he is. And I, I'm yeah, I mean, Adam's right. He's got this mentality that you just you love to see. He's a killer. I, I got to see him uh, my first day at the Peace Jam. It was between watching Bronny's team, Bronny James Trap for Greatness, and Bates. And we went to go see Bates. And I'm sitting here thinking, and, you know, Penny's there and Calipari's there and, and every college coach in the world is there. And I'm sitting here like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a killer in Cosmic City. It's like, dude, he's going into his sophomore year of high school. And granted – He's not built like a LeBron was at that age. No. Like when LeBron was, you know, coming out of high school, like he already had like a man's body. But I've never seen a guy that skilled with that sort of like ready for the 2020s and 30s and 40s type of build for the NBA. Like the Giannis's, the KD's, the, the Brandon Ingram's of the world. Just rangy, play all positions, guard all positions, could shoot yeah. from anywhere type of player. And, you know, obviously there's always 
and you don't wish it on anybody. There's always that possibility that, you know, it may be too much too soon. It could be OJ Mayo all over again. It could be Justin Telfair all over again. Could it be a case of too much too soon, Jordan? Um, no, I don't think so because he, his whole life is basketball and there's two sides to that. There is a downside. If you're, if you don't have the right people around you and you're not doing the right things with it, you know, we, we've obviously seen what happened with Lenny Cook. He didn't have the right people around him, the right framework and foundation. And Monty Bates is, is all about basketball. He's, he, he's so focused on it that you, you would almost say, well, will he get burnt out? But I, to me, no, because every time you watch him play, or every month you watch him play, like if, if you've seen his de- development, the way he's progressing is at such a meteoric rate that you would just imagine, you mentioned Giannis, like he, he could be that kind of player, that, that transcendent player. And um, I think he's extremely mature. The fact that he plays as hard as he does and he's so locked in, I don't see any reason why he's not going to be a truly great transcendent player. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I don't. I just think this the skill set is too incredible for him to like. You know, he would have to really like. It would have to go to his head in a pretty major way. I don't see it. Um, and then, yeah, to your point, I think he's just an evolution of KD and and Giannis. Really, it's it's incredible, especially once yeah. he puts on a little. You know, he has the more of the KD frame than the LeBron frame. But I mean, he could still be growing. He's you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely still grow. Yeah, I, mean, I look at him, and, and the mo- the one thing I do see, like, if there's any weakness, and if you want to call the weakness, is that body frame. But, like we said, he's 15 years old. Like, by the time he's ready to be a professional, I mean, like, you know, and if he's as, as tuned in as, as you say he is with his, his, his player development program, with his father and all that type of stuff, he's going to be he – might, he might come back at junior year with the, with the pro body already, ready yeah. to go. So um, talk to me a little bit about uh, – there's so many of these – Young, just wonder kids out there right now with the with the rise of this this new G League provision with Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, um, you know Lavar, I mean Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton overseas, uh, Amani Bates winning Gatorade National Player of the Year as a sophomore, and you want to talk about a guy who might combine the showmanship of Josh Christopher, the popularity of Amani Bates, uh, the p- potential of of a, of a Lamelo Ball. A kid named Mikey Williams, who's out there, who is oh, man. also a monster. Like, what is, like it's like where yeah. how, how are these how are they building these kids that aren't even like I don't know, but that, that like that, fresh that, out of the eighth other, grade. Yeah, <laughs> you know Mikey, I mean? Mikey Williams is uh, has his own show in overtime. Really, another great kid. There, there's a flair to his game, and I don't even want to guess what he'll what he'll become. Because he's already such a great young player, but he's 14 years old. He has a man's game. He, he, he attacks the rim like he's 20 years old. He absorbs contact. He has great body control. Um, I, I, I've been incredibly impressed with him. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. He's got the whole thing going, Instagram, fashion. He's boys with all these pros. He has connected in a way that uh, you just don't see very often. Yeah, his social presence is bigger than basically all the people that you named. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it got like Drake follows him, LeBron, like every every big name like culture shifter knows this kid. 
like Amani Bates, like is still kind of like known around basketball circles, but like I know like straight up, you know, casual basketball fans that know of Mikey Williams, that know exactly who this kid is. Yeah. And I mean some of the dunks, some of the stuff he does in the open floor for, you know, someone that age is is incredible. I think he'll be, you know, he'll be he'll be amazing as he moves forward. I mean again, someone else who's probably still growing. I mean almost definitely still growing. So in a couple of years, I mean potential is just off the charts. All right, so Adam, let's talk a little bit about the uh, just the, how, what this means for the G League itself. I mean, now that this provision is out there, you're making $500,000 to go and learn the pro game and play against other pros. Now, I don't really know that much of the details. So for the people who may not know the exact details of what this new league or, or, or this not the new league, but this new provision in the G League and this program, uh, kind of try and break it down for me as best as you can sure. uh, for what this means for going forward. Yeah, it's, it's a program I've heard about for a while um, that I knew they were setting up. I had honestly heard that the numbers were lower than I knew they would be going up from the uh, 125K that they were offering a couple of years ago uh, for people to go straight from the draft to the G League. Uh, but I didn't realize it was going to be half a million. That's a that's a legit number, something that, you know, a kid uh, we'll take very seriously. So yeah, they're going to have this team in the, in the LA area. Um, it sounds like Sam Mitchell might be the coach. Uh, Sharif Abdurrahim, who's in charge of all G League operations, is kind of overseeing it with Rod Strickland by his side. Um, Jalen Green is committed to it. Isaiah Todd's committed to it. Sounds like they're going to get, I would guess, at least two or three other prospects of that same uh, age range you know, who could be going to college this year or could be heading overseas for a year to go straight into this program. Um, it'll be interesting because, you know, there's only so many star high school players that they'll want on this team because they'll have to share the ball. They're trying to show their games off for the next level. So you can't really have five star point guards on this team, but they have Jalen Green, they have Isaiah. It sounds like uh, McCurr, McCurr, McCurr Maker. I I think it's, he goes by MK, Thon's yeah. cousin. Uh, Maker's cousin. Yep, will be... Uh, joint potentially maybe joining them. Um, a couple other names have been floating around, and they're going to add a few vets, which I think is very interesting. You know, the opportunity for to be a veteran player. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of NBA scouts watching these teams, so it's a good way if you're, you know, like someone like Joe Kim Noah, who was trying to get in the league for a while, trying to get back into it, can join this league. He knows NBA scouts are going to watch him play. Chance to mentor some of these kids and gain those relationships. Chance to live in the LA area is not bad. Um, probably get paid a little better than the average G League salary, albeit worse than the average NBA salary. And then they'll they'll fill out this roster. I don't know if the final number will be eight players, 10 players, 15 players. Um, and then, yeah, they'll play some of the G League teams. Um, they'll play some overseas teams through the NBA's academy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is kind of the first version of it. And then we'll see if it's a longer term thing or something that's simply a transition from now until the, uh, the end of one and done, at which point I'm sure they'll be taking some of the, some of the stuff that works from this, some of the policies, and then kind of instituting them at the NBA level for when they do draft high school kids, just so there's a better infrastructure for the player development piece of these kids. Cause you know, when you draft a 17, 18, 19 year old kid straight into the league without going to college, you got to have some sort of infrastructure in place to make sure that that kid you know, stays the course. So I think they're going to try out some of that stuff at this level and then use it at the NBA level pretty soon. 
So what does that mean for for fans, people that watch that want to watch these games? Are we gonna are we gonna get G League games uh, pr- pr- broadcast on the NBA TV or ESPN? Is it gonna be uh, you know are they gonna be selling out arenas? Will be selling tickets to these games? Like is it gonna be straight up just another G League team within the schedule? Are they gonna be playing like the Westchester Knicks and st- and, and and that sort of thing? Like how does it really how's it really gonna play out? Yeah, I don't know if they'll fit like. They probably won't fit into the G League stand, standings in a in a standard way, but it does sound like they will be doing some games against existing G League teams. Don't know if they'll be selling out arenas. Don't know if they'll be playing in front of fans at all. Right. Anytime uh, <laughs> soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously still a bunch of details that aren't out yet that I don't know about. But you know, it does sound like they'll be traveling. Um, potentially in a world in which, you know, at least pre-coronavirus, I'm sure it was an opportunity for them to bring these kids all over the world and play, you know, play a team in Australia, play a team in maybe China, play a team in Italy. Now we'll see what that could look like. But, you know, a chance to kind of give these kids that experience um, of seeing the world at that age. Now I don't know if that'll happen because of, you know, there's going to be a lot of travel restrictions in place. Who knows when everyone feels comfortable traveling the world. But um yeah, we'll see. So are we seeing, uh, since technically the professionals now, are they going to be in NBA 2K21 next year? Can we put them in video games? Like, will they be able to be get sneaker deals out the gate? Like, what's, you know, I'm, I'm assuming they're, you know, that Jalen Green just signed to uh, Aaron Gordon or Aaron Goodwin. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, he's with some heavy hitters now. So, you know, what's... If there's certain players, and this is a question I, I put on Twitter yesterday, if there's certain players like a Mikey Williams, like an Amani Bates, who knows their their brand mm-hmm. and knows he literally benefits nothing from going to college except running the risk of being ineligible, what's mm-hmm. stopping these kids from signing a sneaker deal today, knowing that they're not going to college? Um, I think they'd lose a lot of eligibility regarding playing basketball for the next few years uh-huh um like you mean if mikey williams could mikey williams sign a nike deal right now yeah i mean that's what i'm saying because it's like if you're if you're a coco golf uh-huh. or you're one of these like high school prodigies like as a professional and have these endorsement deals they don't stop you from playing in high school like same thing with golf when tiger woods was killing as a teenager mm-hmm. he was still getting money you know what I mean? But it wasn't stopping them from playing in these amateur tournaments. Am, am, I, am I correct to assume that? Or is there anything that is stopping them from just being like, you know what? I'm a Nike guy. I'm a Diz guy. I'm a New Balance guy. I'm not going to college. The only eligibility is going to stop me from is playing in the university that I'm not going to want to play for anyway. Like, what if it's an IMG academy where you can go there and there's no necessar- there's nothing necessarily stopping you from doing anything you want to do as far as like signing an endorsements or playing in any of those uh, uh, leagues that require some sort of eligibility. Right. Um, good question. I think that you would lose some sort of eligibility in terms of your basketball life that you would want to retain. Um, right. Like playing in, in EYBL or the Adidas circuit or the Under Armour circuit. I don't think you'd be allowed to do that because you you're technically a professional. Um I don't, yeah, I don't know about some of the logistics. I also just think, though, that these kids are going to, I mean, it's a little silly to throw away anything that keeps you from competing at a high level pre-NBA. Gotcha. So it, you know, and also if you're Mikey Williams, I mean, you never know. That's a, that is a distant bet. I think someone like Imani Bates is a better example because 
I mean, we can sit here and comfortably say he does not need to go to college in, in a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about some of the eligibility restrictions, but I would guess that he couldn't play on the Nike circuit. Um, and he couldn't play. I don't know how it would affect the high school basketball schedule, but I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure there's some rules against this. I you mean, well, it seems like things are changing every day. So true. It's true. It's true. I'm all about young people getting paid, Adam. So if we can get yeah, a paid, sure. it's not sure. farce about uh, amateurism and you know these colleges that are like, oh my god, the the sanctity of college sports is forever tainted because some basketball player took an extra chicken sandwich from a coach. Like, give me a fucking break at this point. Like, I've never been a huge personally. I was. I didn't grow up in the near vicinity of a college and I didn't go to a college that had a particularly great basketball program uh, while I was there, not until I was leaving and CJ McCollum arrived. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the most, and you know, I've, of course I've rooted for Lehigh heavily since, but I, you know, I'm not one of the blue blood colleges or anything like that. So I, you know, I always was the first one who was like, fuck it, death to the NCAA. Uh, you know, I, I'm a huge high school basketball fan and I'm a huge NBA fan. Um, so all the better, but I also, I still think like if this crop of kids, you know, if one and done is gone and these kids are throwing away their eligibility and they're going straight from high school to the NBA, um, it won't be a ton of kids, but even if it's 10 to 20 every year, I think there's a certain kind of college basketball fan that will be happy about it and maybe more engaged as a result. And you know, the college basketball world will shrink even more and people might, you know, those fans might enjoy it. And maybe it's, maybe it's just the way things should be. I don't know. It really becomes a question of how much the NCAA wants to hold on to their millions, which I'm sure is a lot. It's a lot of millions, but you know, those March Madness TV checks are no joke. I don't, you know, you you posed this question at the beginning of this conversation and it is the most interesting thing. It's like, what will the NCAA do to counter all of this happening? Will they do anything or will they just let it happen? I mean, I feel like I feel like if this would have happened pre-Corona, and they were still getting their March Madness money, and they were still getting their, you know, like missing one March Madness and one college bowl season is gutting to mm-hmm. the college system. You know what I mean? So like anything that they had planned for the year 2022 or 2021, where they were going to allow players to kind of like make money off their license likenesses while still being able to go to like UCLA, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. I think this is only in California where they mm. signed this bill, right? And the, and, the, and other states are starting to, like, catch on here and there. So, yeah. right, if you go to UCLA and, you know, you want to go and do an autograph signing at an Applebee's or something, I, I guess under this provision that will be totally fine. Right. Um, but, you know, now with as much money that they lost just this past month without having the uh, NCAA tournament or anything like that, how soon do you see them trying well, to counteract what, what, what the NBA and the G League just done? So that shouldn't cost them any money, theoretically, if they're just mm-hmm. like, we're going to turn a blind eye to all the stuff you do, not even just off the court, but even like outside of our purview, right? So like you can't do anything that makes you money on campus, say, mm-hmm. but like you have to go off campus, you have to do it in your non-basketball hours, all that stuff. That shouldn't cost them any money. But the real question is what that does is just a slippery slope and it kind of opens the door to them admitting that these are not amateur student athletes, right? That's the whole thing is that what you're, what you're basically putting down on paper is an admission that these are professionals and people who can 
turn their likeness into dollars. And once you do that, then you're also saying not, so you're a professional, but we want your service for free in mm-hmm. exchange for, you know, an, an education, which I think the world knows now is not an equal value. So right. the, what they're really struggling with now is just admitting that probably verbally, but more so on paper. And they're just scared to kind of open up those floodgates because that just becomes a legal slippery slope. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like legal slippery slopes are kind of their thing. So <laughs> I don't know if they'll, they'll, they'll worry too much about that. But uh, last question before we get you out of here, man. And uh, thank you again so much for, for doing the show today. Um, and obviously, Guys, uh, my fault on making this one live. So all of you guys that are commenting and watching the show live, you get this free episode before Monday when the world gets it. So congratulations. Uh, last question I want to ask you before, uh, before we get out of here. Um, obviously there'll be no slam summer classic this year because of everything going on and, and, and a lot of, uh, you know, all American games have been canceled and stuff like that. Mm. Looking towards the next year. Tell me some of the players that I should have my eye on that we haven't really spoken about yet. Tell me somebody who's not a Jalen Green, who's not a Mikey Williams, who's not in the Monty Bates, who, you know, which which is what you guys do. You guys keep your eyes and and the ears to the streets about these next crop of players that we're all going to be talking about for the next several years. So, Adam, if you got some guys, some eyes on some guys out there, who are they and where can we find them? I can't believe I learned about the cancellation of the Slam Summer Classic on on your podcast. I have I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no just idea. Guessing. I, I'm just guessing. I'm I'm you're right. Right. Yeah, I think you're. Right. I, yeah, I, still wanna, I still want to do commentary this year, so I hope <laughs> we do it. So we'll I was literally yeah. guessing, but if, if it's yeah, not, you're right. Though I mean, it's it's hard to imagine um, a full Dykeman Park in the year 2020. Yeah. Uh, there's not even hoops over there right now. They took the yeah, hoops yeah. I mean, they got to put the hoops back, and then they have to earn the you know, they have to get the rights to uh, fill a very small space with two thousand people or fifteen hundred people or whatever it is. It's tough to imagine. Be like five feet away from each other at the same. Yeah, time. that's not the same atmosphere. That is not the same atmosphere. I don't uh, know. If that doesn't sound too promising. <laughs> I would say. Uh, for the following year, I mean, there was a bunch of exciting kids that probably would be lined up to come this year. Shet Holmgren, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, that's a seven footer who can shoot, who can run the floor, skinny, but you know, like can handle the ball a little bit. Just an exciting playmaker. Jonathan Kaminga is like a six six two three, but can handle the ball. Also, score exciting player. Um, he'll be a senior next year unless he reclassifies this summer. Um, as far as that next crop. Uh, one of the kids who came to our summer classic last year at a young age and will be coming for the next few years um, is his point guard, Dior Johnson. Mm. Super shifty, amazing handles. I would, you know, the, the player comes from my way. Plays on the as well. What's that? Plays for Strava Greatness as well, right? Yeah, okay. he played with Bronny. He played with Josh Christopher this year. Um, I know he moved back to New York where he is now. I don't know if he's planning on going back to L.A. when the high school season restarts or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, super, super exciting, shifty, like amazing. Some of the best handles I've ever seen at the high school level, to be honest with you, just, he just dances with the ball. It's so fun to watch. He definitely reminds me when I was watching him, I was like, he's got a lot of Kyrie in his game. Mm-hmm. Like He just gets to the hoop finishes, but like smooth as hell. Like, can't, like the unpluckable badge on 2k, like he has that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll say Dior. I think he's the one to watch, especially if you're into like, you know, guys that produce highlights for the internet. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, if he grows a little, he'll probably end up at six, two, six, three, six, four. Um, but a point guard with, you know, he might even be like, he has like a little bigger frame, I would say, than Kyrie, honestly. Even Kyrie at that age was kind of scrawny. Um, so yeah, I, I would say Dior Johnson's the one to watch. Awesome, awesome. Well, Adam, thank you guys so much. Uh, Jordan had the breakout, and obviously in, in, in COVID world, it's totally okay, but you can check out Jordan Schultz on uh, The Boardroom. He's a correspondent over there, and he's a co-host of the Pull-Up Podcast with CJ McCollum. Adam, right here, Chief Content Officer over at Slam. Uh, if you got any last words, uh, go right ahead, bro. The floor is yours. Nah, man. Stay safe. Stay home. Wash your hands. Pay attention to Slam. That's all. <laughs> all day, bro. Hope to see you soon, man. Stay safe, buddy. All right, my guy. Appreciate it. And that has been Say Less with your boy, Cass. Thank you so much for watching, listening each and every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean. I don't care where you get it. Just download it, tell a friend, subscribe, retweet, comment, like, do whatever. Engagement is key. We all in this together. Uh, thank you so much for listening for the people in the chat room. I think this is a nice test run. I think we might start doing some live episodes very soon. So for the people who just happen to be on my YouTube page while I launch this, when I usually do it unlisted, you're welcome. So, uh, I catch you next, uh, well tomorrow actually. And, uh, say less. Peace out. Peace out.